welcome. And if you've listened before, welcome back to Last Believer, a podcast about good riddance. Each week, Dan Forcier and I, Josh Lindley, talk about three different songs by the band Good Riddance and whatever else happens to come up. This week, we're discussing 1996's Up and Away from the album A Comprehensive Guide to Modern Rebellion, 1993's Not So Bad, which was on a bunch of different releases, and 2007's This Beast is Dangerous from My Republic. What's up, pals? We do love hearing feedback from all of you lovely listeners. Uh, so uh, take the time and um, find us on Instagram at Last Believer Pod and slide into those DMs or uh, shoot us an email at uh, lastbelieverpod at gmail.com with any questions, constructive criticism, uh, any kind of feedback. Just uh, feel free to hit us up uh, while you're online as well. If you uh, could find it in your heart to give us a little five-star review uh you don't even have to write anything excessive in there although it is in because it's funny but uh you can even just write the word uh, cheesesteak in there you know with a little five-star review and it'll help people find us another good way for people to find us is telling a friend uh who might want to hear about uh, two bozos talk about some old punk and specifically some good riddance but really we talk about a lot of other different things that pop up anyways and lastly, uh, run over to patreon.com slash lastbelieverpod. Uh, we're working on some uh, cool exclusive things. Um, patrons will get some stickers sent out and all kinds of stuff. There's uh, multiple tiers going on. There's even a tier if you just want to kick over a couple bucks to help us cover some costs. So, uh, yeah, go and check that out and let us know if you have any questions or concerns. And there's more content coming down the pipe. And while you're on the internet pipes, go to Spotify. Uh, we have a playlist, the Last Believer podcast playlist, where we put a bunch of songs on there, stuff that comes up as we're going through it. It'll frame a lot of what we talk about here on the show, give you an idea of where we're coming from, where we're going to. I'm working out uh, a way to get this band that I just found out exists this week called Third Face on there. They have a new record out called Do It With A Smile. I don't know anything about this band. I'm really hoping there isn't something wildly problematic about them before I've just plugged them on the show, but I haven't done any homework. I'm hoping it goes the other way on that. Dan, what have you been up to <laughs> this week? Uh, I've just been working. I've been, um, I got <laughs> working. I got myself an Xbox and I've been playing a lot of, uh, a lot of that, a lot of, uh, star Wars, Jedi, fallen order where all of a sudden I turn it on and then I blink and I'm like, huh, it's 2am. Cool. I should probably, uh, yeah, do real life things. But yeah, I've been doing that and just listening to a whole lot of Digger still from the last time we recorded nonstop, just reliving my youth, just digging it, you know, talking songs about hats and shoelaces and roller coasters, real, you know, real hard stuff. hitting stuff. Yeah. Hey, man. Yeah. They're all, they're all love songs, kind of. Hey, <laughs> they're all love songs, kind of. You want to talk about uh, Good Riddance songs this week? You ready? Yeah, I guess so. Sure, why not? <laughs> That's <laughs> what we're right. here for. First, first song we're talking about is Up and Away, which is the fifth song in on a comprehensive guide to modern rebellion. Luke, Sean, Chuck, and Russ. Uh, Ryan Green producing. You knew this one going into this week, right? Yeah, when when we had recorded um, last, uh, you had mentioned that I would probably know this one um, as the the name was familiar, and you, you were totally right. Um, this is one of like the uh, the standout songs in my memory from this record. Um, 
and a big part of it too is just that vocal melody for the chorus right so but to me too like this is like the fat wreck sound for the mid 90s right like those drums are the same ones that you hear you know that that skate punk sound that you're hearing through like your no use for names your lag wagons you're strung out like this is like this is like the fat sound you know for for that time um and lyrically too i'm getting like a uh Boys and girls vibe, you know, back to last recording, mm-hmm. um, kind of like about, uh, you know, s- uh, substance abuse and squandering one's, you know, dreams and potential and aspirations. It's like two episodes in a row. So I feel like maybe the world is playing a trick on me or, you know, <laughs> you're trying to get me to clean up my act. Like maybe you're trying to do some intervention via the pod where hey, I'm man. picking these numbers. I'm picking these numbers and you're like, oh, up and away. Oh, boys and girls. You have access to the same list that I do. You <laughs> I, know I, that I'm not doing that. I don't and know. Actually, be fixed. <laughs> and actually, uh, I, I updated on the Patreon today uh, for our lowest tier. I am going to uh, every few weeks update what songs we haven't done yet. So uh, I did that this week. So anyone can follow along. There's no numbers there, but there's got to be some nerd out there who will actually count through everything, right? Yeah, I mean, we could we could just put it up with numbers too from a spreadsheet, but I, whatever. No, man, that's no fun. <laughs> I just want people scrolling through, going, "Wait, what about this one?" Yeah, like I I agree with you on the structure part of it for sure. Uh, I don't know. I feel like the production on this record is crazy, but like the thing is, it actually took me a minute this week to start writing my notes to figure out how I actually felt about the song because side one of Comprehensive Guide is such a ride. Um, you know, it starts with Weight of the World, which is a crusher, and then Steps, mm-hmm. which is the hit, and then Credit to His Gender, which sounds like nothing else on the record or really like, like I can't think of a whole lot of songs that sound a lot like that song at all. And then it goes into Trophy, mm-hmm. which is a 30-second beast, and then it's this song, Up and Away. And I think at the time, this song fit a little too much with what Lagwagon and Strung Out and other fat bands were playing. Uh, Like I said, the first few songs on the album really push in a lot of directions. And even though none of them sound like each other or anything from Forgotten Country, they all have sort of a distinct personality. So by the time Up Mm -hmm. and Away comes on, you've, you've already gone through four distinct moods. And then this song comes on and sounds like, you know, 10 foot pole or whoever. So when I first listened to it this week to take my notes, I thought, yeah, this is good. But then I listened to the first half of Comprehensive Guide in order and realized that Up and Away has to sound like this. Um, It's part of what made Good Riddance accessible to fat fans. But also it doesn't really betray what the band sounds like or what they were even going for on the record. You know, it still sounds like Good Riddance. Part of that is the production on this album. I don't know how Good Riddance and Ryan Green made Russ's voice so full and Luke's guitar so dynamic and Chuck's bass is so like thundering, but also pingy and Chuck's vocals on this are just so fucking perfect. I know a couple weeks ago when we did dry season, you almost couldn't believe that Chuck could scream like that because he does vocals mm-hmm. like this, you know, right. Like the other yeah. side of the coin. And then, <laughs> Also, a few weeks ago when we had that same episode, when we had Greg from the Propagandy Pod on, he was talking about how Sean Sellers was like his guy as a drummer. And I think this song is a prime example of that, where it is, you know, really, even though melodically and structure wise, this song could fit with everything on fat. It's still kind of its own thing just because of the the actual production of the record. Plus, 
uh, and I don't really love coming back to this all the time, but if we're being totally honest here, the slow part of up and away is about as fast as the fast part of steps. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, I, I, again, like I'm not harping on, I'm like justifying it to my 16, 17 year old self for why I skipped steps. Cause yeah. Sure. Anyway, uh, <laughs> by 1996, I was really into like Los Crudos and DRI and Slayer had their punk album out. And so I just wanted the fastest shit possible always. Uh, lyrically, I think we've hit a stride, like you were saying, of songs where Russ really cares up and away like Boys and Girls and honestly a little bit like Not So Bad, which we're talking about in a bit. Uh, it really shows a concern for pals that might be partying too hard and like Not So Bad isn't exactly that. But, um, you know, lines like where's the spark in your eyes and I miss your smile. These lines, they're delivered with so much conviction and with that production and that conviction, his voice just means it. And like the way the shots come in as he's delivering those lines, it's just so genuine sounding. And can we talk about if you can think of any other song that has an ampersand in the title that is this good? Yes. What song has an ampersand in the title? So, there's one song that two bands have played on their album because the same person was in it. And on one of the versions, I'm pretty sure it's an ampersand. And the song is called Benson and Hedges. And um, Oh, the loved ones. So, yes. And then there are his previous band, The Curse, with mm-hmm. a different singer. <clears throat> that they, also, they also do Benson and Hedges. And that song right. is a fucking jam. Is ben- Benson and Hedges is the cigarettes, though. Is it an ampersand or is it and? So I think one version has, unlike one of the records, has and, and the other one has an ampersand. I think it could just be the way that I've seen a digital ver- file or something that someone wrote the ampersand as opposed to and. But on the tip of my tongue, or on, yeah, off the top of my head, maybe? Yeah, off the top of my head, not the tip of my tongue. That would be the... Um, the the ampersand jam that i can think of that's i'm really impressed that you even thought of another song that had an ampersand in the title in my head like i'm just i'm scrolling through and i'm like i can see them but i can't picture them <laughs> you know it's just uh, i feel like they're there but uh now i'm gonna then now that's gonna be my homework is i'm gonna deep dive into songs with ampersands in the <laughs> in the song with ampersands uh, look forward to that uh, offshoot of the Last Believer podcast playlist. Uh, all songs with ampersands. We'll make a. <laughs> That'll be exclusive. We'll do a Patreon exclusive about it. There we go. I'll have my top ten songs with ampersands in the title. I we joke about that. Now I'm going to write that down. I'm going to see if maybe that's feasible to do. Song two this week is not so bad, and it's originally from the Loaded to Bear tape, um, and it's also from the Gidget 7 Inch, and it's also from Capricorn One, but it's you can find it in a lot of different places. And uh, it's Russ, Luke, our pal from Zwerg, Devin Quinn, and Rich <laughs> McDermott, uh, Joe Logston on the boards for this one. 
Devin Quinn is not from Zwerg. We established it's not the same guy, right? It's not the no, it's not the same guy. It's a real bummer. I I would love if that was the connection. Dan, what did you think of the song Not So Bad? First of all, I realized while writing down this note about the top 10 ampersand titles that I do not know how to write an ampersand. So there's that a little unrelated from the song. It, it um, always ends up looking like a treble clef. Looks, it basically looks like, yeah, it looks like an eight got into a fight with a nine. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> <laughs> So um, I did think you you did have a very good point in terms of like the hitting the stride of um, the lyrical content for this song, because I also picked up on that, even though it's not the same. It's you know, there there is a a common theme ish in this. Um, But my first impression really is that Russ sounds so much like Greg Graffin as soon as it starts, like in the verses. I had to double check. I had to double check that this was not a bad religion cover before getting more into it. Um, yeah, because like right at the beginning, like just the way that he's singing, like the beginning of that song, it basically sounds like do what you want. And I can't get that song out of my head. Um, yeah, this whole time. I just, it's what it, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do really like the chorus and the, um, the little sing along of it's not so bad, but like, it's not really a sing along, but the the part that stands out that, you know, that at shows that would be fists in the air. Yeah. And it's very reminiscent of like hall shows and local bands in the 90s, I found. Like just listening to it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've probably seen a band that sounds just like this playing like a Legion Hall or what, you know, the equivalent of a VFW Hall or something. And mm-hmm. a bunch of kids just packed in there acting like it's the best shit they've ever seen, even though it's, yeah, I don't know. It's just fun, man. It just it was like, nice positive you know nostalgia that like just washed over me but yeah so you know kind of like with the lyrics we were saying it's a nice like nice little ditty about being there for someone and caring for someone going through a hard time um kind of like not so directly saying like things are just going to get better in the times actually no i think that is pretty direct things will get better but uh you know like a time heals all wounds uh kind of speaking out against uh this individual in the song kind of um you know, speaking out of them and urging them not to uh, self-medicate, maybe to get through things because, you know, like it's uh, it's not so bad. You know, things will get better. It's, uh, it's that's not so you bad. know, it's not so bad. You know, but then like I when I started writing these notes, I was like, what is not so bad? And what like this is this is a riff right now. This is not something I wrote down. This is yeah. just for is a half big thought, but like. <clears throat> Because I, I can't see him kind of like brushing over or something if it was like a really big problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Kind of like yeah. it's like the Lion King. It's like, well, my uncle killed my dad and, uh, you know, and now he's trying to kill me and take over the kingdom. And then he got Timon and Puma like, have you ever tried not fucking worrying about it? You know what I mean? Like, it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like it's not that big of a of an issue. That they must be singing about and that's probably be like ah you know things will get better like whatever so i'm very curious on what this uh issue is that this person is may have been going through but uh, i digress i'm very curious about how uh russ rankin's portrayal of timon or pumbaa would have increased or decreased the box office revenue of the lion king <laughs> and the subsequent musicals and sequels and uh Video games. Imagine if Russ Rankin had been involved. <laughs> okay, so would would you think he is more Timon or more Pumbaa? 
Honestly, I kind of see him more as one of the uh, one of the hyenas, probably. Um, <laughs> so like, being evil, got it. Okay. <laughs> well, but let's be serious. I mean, you know, Scar and the like. Yeah, Scar was a real dick about it, but he also, you know, upturned the status quo in the valley wherever the Lion King happened. I don't know, man. I honestly haven't watched Lion King in probably 25 years. I have. I don't really remember a whole lot about it. Yeah, no, I've just, yeah, that was just, uh, I, I, my follow-up, if whom, whomever you were going to say that Russ was, whether it be Timon or Pumbaa, I was going to ask them who, who you thought the other would be as, as his partner in crime. But uh, we'll Cinder leave that Pop. up to the fans. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is... The worst riff we've gone on on this show yet. Uh, I don't know if it is the worst one. And I do. Anyone. <laughs> anyone who is listening. Um, think about it. Send us who you think. If Russ is Timon or Pumbaa. And whom the other person is. Uh, that would make up that, uh, that dynamic duo there. In any event. <laughs> so sorry. Back to the song. Um it's it's so it's so 90s like it's so 90s the bass being a touch louder as we mentioned um on the previous gadget song um that we did with decoy no 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 just what was for today just for today yeah <laughs> fuck um you know like that bass it's a touch louder um the lyrics are corny and i mean that in the best way possible i mean like a line like you're proposition is an imposition like man come on like this 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 is also 90s skate punk not necessarily a fat sound but this is 90s skate punk to a t yeah and now i have to find this seven inch i'm gonna keep my eyes peeled for it because i need it in my collection it's not even that i really love it or that i'm like you know super diehard for these songs but this i feel like this specific record has a place in my collection and it needs it there's a hole in my collection that needs to be filled by good riddance there we go with gidges <laughs> Uh, so this is the thing I got all excited about last week. This song was on the Loaded for Bear tape with Hippie Girl. Uh, it was also on the Gidget 7-inch, and that recording is most easily accessed on Capricorn 1, but they also played it on their last run of shows. Once they'd announced mm-hmm. that they were breaking up, they played this. And so it shows up on Remain in Memory as well. And in the lead-up to playing this song on the live record, the Remain in Memory record, Chuck asks the crowd who has the tape or the Gidget 7-inch, and, you know, like, smattering of applause. Because it was a hometown show, I feel like there was probably more people there than anywhere else that would have had it. And then he says that they played the song for the last few nights in a row, and those nights, no one knew it. There's like, three people that cared. Uh, which is a real downer, because Not So Bad is a real good song. Um, lyrically, like we were saying, sort of falls in line with Up and Away, but this song sounds I mean it it sounds like good riddance but it's nowhere near as polished and I don't mean that from a production standpoint so much I mean that the lyrics are raw but then in 2007 a full 15 years later like after they wrote the song they end up like it's still worth playing live uh, and the only other song that spanned that entire lifetime of the band is the song Last Believer uh, that said I think Not So Bad kind of got uh like a break. Unsurprisingly, it got a break for probably about a decade, almost 13, 14 <laughs> years. It got a break sure. from being played in the live set all the time. And Dan, did you listen to the live version of this as well? 
No, I didn't. But when you were talking about how they played in their last stretch of shows, I was like, I did notice that it was on the live uh, album, but I didn't. Yeah. But like, I did not know this song prior to this. And I was like, Oh, okay. Not that I was, you know, the biggest diehard digging in looking for it. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I was, I'm not familiar with it. So I was kind of surprised to see it there too, being such an old jam. Yeah, totally. So I, I think it sort of answers a question that our pal Josh from the family cast asked a few weeks ago. Uh, he sent in uh, a DM asking, what if either Dave Drummer had played on Forgotten Country and like how would it have sounded different? Like if either one of them had played it and listening to the live recording of Not So Bad with Sean on drums as opposed to Rich McDermott sort of fits the same bill because he fucking lights it up uh it, mm-hmm. it's like 20 percent faster the fills are so fast so like the song is a full 15 seconds shorter in the live version from 2007 than it is on the actual recording but again uh, like okay they hadn't played it in a million years but they sound so good playing it at that speed like it's pretty good as is but just that little bit faster it's so much better of course like i was saying before i, I kind of like everything too fast um and like you said last week, for a song that's one of their first 15 or 20 that Russ wrote and recorded, it's really not so bad. I'm going to read the liner notes from Capricorn One about this because Russ wrote like a full paragraph about it. And I feel like okay. it gives insight that, that we've picked up on most of it. But like, I feel like it gives some cool insight. Uh, this is one of my first attempts at writing an entire song, music and lyrics after just writing lyrics over guitar players riffs up to that point. Very Pennywise sounding, but still kind of a cool tune. Devin Quinn, who played bass during this session, was a disciple of Pete from Crimpshine and Matt from Operation Ivy. And you can hear that in all his runs and counter melodies in this song. Uh, Lyrically, this was written as though it was for a friend, but I really wrote it more to cheer myself up as I had recently dealt with some real severe depression. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I think that's kind of cool that both of us got the same thing out of it. And then obviously reading that, recognizing that like, oh, yeah, that is exactly what it sounds like, even if it's not exactly what it is. Huh. That's interesting. I really need to listen to this live version, too. But uh, I that's one thing I've kind of noticed, too. I think this is maybe the second or third time that we've had such an introspective uh, song by Russ where it kind of sounds like he's speaking to someone else, but it's really to himself yeah yeah that's cool i like it i like it it's cool it's very especially for his first song that he did both lyrically and um and music wise too that's pretty awesome like like one of them for sure and of course looking at uh if you look at the demo and the loaded for bear tape this like it is one of the first 15 or 20 songs that good riddance ever recorded like who knows who wrote what until that point also some of the pictures from that frame of time are amazing russ doesn't have any tattoos and has the sleeves on a shirt that he's wearing which is you know rare and luke (laughs) for real is so small as a person like these little skinny guy wearing an exploited shirt and but he still has that sick side part um yeah looking at some of the pictures from this era of good riddance is awesome Not so bad. It's gonna be alright.
third song that we're going to talk about this week. This Beast is Dangerous, written by Luke, at least the music. Uh, it's the second last song on the album My Republic. Russ, Luke, Sean, Chuck, Bill Stevenson, and Jason Livermore on production. I'm really curious as to what you thought of this one. Yeah, well, I mean, this is hands down for me the best song this week. Um, oh, yeah? For me, yeah. And I could really hear um, the the Bill Stevenson influence on this, specifically, like, with the percussion side of things. Um, there, there's, like, a couple parts where I was like, this sounds like it could have been on, like, a new Descendants record, right? It was, I was, it really sure. like stuck out. I mean, it's a little like head bopper of a jam. And as we go through like this Last Believer project, I feel like I'm really growing fond of My Republic, which is a record that I'd never even taken in. Um, but as a whole, I find it's like really vibing with me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry I said vibing, but I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. And I think like of all the songs that we've done on this record, Texas might be the only song that I wasn't super into right from the jump. But I do have a newfound appreciation uh, of it, thanks to Greg coming on and chatting about it and giving a different perspective. Shout out to Unscripted Moments, second shout out to the podcast for them. Um, but yeah, this is, I don't know, like everything, just the, the whole feeling of it, I was hooked right away with this one. Um, the song, like I basically read it as kind of like a struggle with depression and anxiety, kind of like a through line through this uh, <laughs> through this episode with um you know substance abuse and depression anxiety um i mean that's the beast that i read when i was reading it but that could also just be me kind of imposing my own my own life on what it was because that beast is dangerous huh okay Uh, okay okay no No, i say it was lines like um you know i'm inside the center once more and it's worse this time and i'm just like yeah i fucking hate being the center of attention it fucking cripples me like i hate it you know or like um so what's the point of trying when everything goes wrong it's like i'm supposed to learn something i was like this song is just speaking to the anxiety that i've had for years that i've been working on so yeah i don't know this record um this record is really really hitting me in the feels i'm uh, really enjoying this record and this was a really good jam that i am happy that we picked was my favorite one from this week for sure I'm not terribly surprised to hear you say it just because, um, honestly, like our age difference is only three or four years, but I feel like what was cool in punk rock in 2005, 2006, um, what like it had evolved to an extent, at least at this level, you know, where, you know, fat and epitaph and like post warp to like by the time warp tour had swoop hair bands, all the bands that had been on Warp Tour five years previous were doing albums that sort of sounded like this. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of them obviously more influenced by like that weird amalgam, even when Al was on the show talking about like, you know, the the Lifetime Kid Dynamite influence on fat bands. But obviously, you know, the fat influence on bands like Saves the Day or even Shook Ones from Seattle or like that kind of thing. Oh, and so it doesn't in love doesn't of Shook Ones. Honestly, there's no band that sounds more like Kid Dynamite than Shook One, so I'm not surprised. But it's the sort of thing where that, given that that's what the sound was when you were maybe at your peak of like being deep diving, checking out everything that comes out, I'm not totally surprised that My Republic isn't or is shaping up to be your favorite Good Riddance record doing this because it is like sort of your bread and butter. There's this weird theory. 
Alan Cross, regardless of how anyone feels about him, Alan Cross has been a, a radio host, um, a researcher, a program director at a bunch of different radio stations in Canada for the last 30 years. And I worked with him for a while and really working with him. It's funny because you would think that he's a huge music fan, and I'm sure at some capacity he is. But more than that, he's a researcher. And so he will find out everything. And he has the things that he loves, but he will find out everything about whatever it is he's researching. And he wrote a thing probably 10, 12 years ago now about how your favorite band when you're 20 is always going to be your favorite band or the music that you're into when you're 20 years old is the music that will always be like, this is what I fit in with. And I know you weren't 20 years old in 2006, but you were what, 22, 23. So uh, I feel like that makes sense. I, was, I, I totally agree that theory does seem to make sense and fit this very well. And yeah, I did get, you know, the uh, lifetime vibes and stuff too, but, but I didn't want to say it because I feel like I talk about lifetime too much for a good riddance podcast. But uh, one thing I did want to add about Shook Ones is that they're also huge Dan Yeeman fans like myself. Yeah, and uh, on, on their MySpace page, because that's how long I've, fucking love that band their description used to be uh sounds like dan yeeman eating an apple and that is the most appropriate description of that band i think <laughs> it's fucking fantastic sure it's so good i'll take it uh but yeah so the song this beast is dangerous <laughs> the start of this song the first person riff are so cool it's like we're just talking about an amalgam of other things and we know all the things that Good Riddance can do at this point. I feel like when you say the words melodic and hardcore together, you either think of something like Pennywise or you think of something like this. You know, it's that yes. sort of like two-step bordering on amazing core stuff, but not over the top. And yeah, I felt like you would really like it because it does feel like some of the mid-2000s Bridge Nine stuff or even a little bit like uh, like Us versus Them by Sick of It All kind of has the same sort of like oh, yeah. line part. Um, the second part of the verse where the guitar is doubled and then the chords sort of ring out over top of the part that we already know that was chugging along, like right away, it's like attention grabbing and sort of like uh, keeps building up. And the line about the infirmities they're breathing on me, which I found uh, particularly prescient right now, if you take it literally. But mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I think the song what what it's actually about, and, uh, like you read into it as being, again, sort of about, like, cautioning against substance abuse and whatnot. What I read into it is, like, Russ is getting it that there's no escaping ideas and opinions that can be harmful that people are going to throw your way. Oh, I think yeah. that line, yeah, like, I think that line is actually what the whole song is about. This beast is dangerous to me. Sounds like a way of explaining a metaphor for truly understanding what we hear and see, uh, taking in information, uh, as it's presented and really thinking about what it is and how you feel about whatever it is, whatever it, capital it, is, and not letting yourself get down about however you analyze it and truly analyzing everything that comes your way is hard and it's exhausting. And that's why, like, that's why I guess the chorus begins to sound familiar in my brain. So what's the point of trying when everything goes wrong? It's like I'm supposed to learn something like I take it more as like external forces rather than internal forces. Uh, sure. And the last part there I hear is almost a question, too, because a lot of times in life stuff happens and we wonder why or what we could have done differently. And that line, like I'm supposed to learn something. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like I almost hear it like that really bites into me. Searching for meaning only does so much if you never find that meaning. And I think that the song This Beast is Dangerous is sort of warning us not to just accept what's pushed our way or if we like it or don't like it, whatever, again, whatever capital I T it does. I don't know. Does that make sense? Do I sound high? I don't even smoke weed. <laughs> um, it's funny because I did have a thing about cannabis in for one of the th- songs and I was like, ah, scrap that. Um, no, it totally makes sense. Um, I like that, that perspective and that theory of what it, it could be about. It makes perfect sense. Um, yeah, now I kind of hear it as a question, too. It's like I'm supposed to learn something. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. It's almost like saying, like, think for yourself as well and just don't, yeah. you know. Yeah. I have some listener questions. Oh, okay. rather, rather, I asked a question and got some answers. And I said, what do you want to talk about other than just the songs? So someone wrote official Good Riddance music videos, which I think we sort of touched on when we did the dry season episode about how most of them are filmed in what is pretty clearly their recording space. Right. Uh, The one for the Braves video, when we get to that episode, I'm sure we'll talk about it a lot. It's legit funny where Floyd, who used to work at Fat Records and maybe Mm -hmm. was on the cover of different fat comps and stuff. um, Yeah. He's the star of the video. Okay. He's like baking and gets a makeover from the band and stuff and once he's rolling with good riddance all of a sudden the ladies are into him it nice. it's basically it looks like a it's like a 1980s john cusack or eric stoltz movie um <laughs> which makes sense and then yeah, uh sense. and then someone else called ford core with three x's yeah i know who that is he yeah. wants to know about good riddance shows more more show stories so i, I don't know like I've seen them a bunch of times. I know you've seen them a bunch of times, too. I'm trying to think of the most standout Good Riddance show, like a good Good Riddance show story that I have. And I have come to Warp Tour 2000 uh, is the one that I wanted to tell the story to, where I was living in a town called Guelph at the time. And me and two of my friends drove to Warp Tour. I had never been to a Warp Tour because I was too fucking punk. But that year, Good Riddance and Avail and, ah, shit, who else was it? There was a bunch of, like, bands no that I legit... No that year. Didn't know... Green Day played that year, actually. Oh, I'm thinking Avail because that's how yep. I first heard Avail was because yeah. they was a warp Tour. Yeah, so that 2000 warp Tour, I went to it, and, you know, you wedge your way up to the front while whatever band is playing before the band you want to see is playing. And it worked out that Avail and Good Riddance were on the same stage, and there was someone in between, like, I don't know, someone I wasn't as interested in, Gob or Goldfinger or something, was playing on another stage between Good Riddance and Avail. And so I just wedged my way up to the front and watched both those bands, essentially, like, with a half hour between them. But I remember... Russ was wearing a T-shirt that said Basta Ya, and I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Like, legit hardcore T-shirt being worn to a warp, to a warp Tour crowd. And I remember thinking, like, that's why bands like Good Riddance or Strike Anywhere do warp Tour. You know, as, mm. much as, as much as all the, like, big, big bands want to talk about, yeah, it's punk rock summer camp. I thought it was really cool that Good Riddance shows up and is doing their best with the half hour that they have to actually like put some ideas into some people's heads that maybe would have just showed up to, you know, shred the gnar. <laughs> shred the gnar. <laughs> um, man, I, I'm trying to think. 
my biggest this sounds really bad too it's like my biggest memories of good written shows are like one of them is the one that i skipped because they were playing with anti-flag and strike anywhere at barrymore's and i skipped it to go just see the strike anywhere after party after which doesn't really answer matt's question uh, um, I, I, in my head, I can picture them playing Babylon in Ottawa, uh, and Barrymore's in Ottawa so many times. I can picture the flyers. I had the Good Riddance AFI flyer hanging on my wall for a long time that, uh, Swish Productions did. And I can't really remember like specific events from the show. And then maybe that's why I'm so intrigued on like that Toronto riot and wanting to talk to people who were there. And just getting like memories from shows because, yeah, other than that, the only thing that I have a memory of that's Good Riddance related is seeing Russ do a solo set at a secret show in Toronto and then Sick of It All played, which was very fun. That's yeah, yeah, that's my extent on on the shows. Like and it's funny because my uh, my friend Andrew sent a message as well to me directly wanting us to talk about shows and i chose not to bring it up because i was like i don't fucking know <laughs> i it's been so long since i've seen them um and just because i was never such a never a huge fan i was usually at the shows and seeing the other bands but i was never upset about watching them they just were never my draw and my focus i feel like you're becoming a fan though we're 50 this week makes 57 songs in mm-hmm I feel like you now know these 57 Good Riddance songs as well as most people who would call themselves Good Riddance fans. I, I'm i definitely not a hater. I <laughs> But you never were. <laughs> no, 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 that's true. But I, instead of being the uh, the casual fan at best that I was, yeah, I definitely do have a, a very different appreciation of this band. Um and like I said, like all these My Republic songs that I had not heard before, I'm like, oh, they're right up my alley. And then your theory of when it came out and what they were trying to sound like or what they were sounding like really just really all clicks into place. So, yeah, I mean, hey, next time they come through, uh, I definitely want to check them out. You know, we were talking the other day and I was like, well, I got one half of my vaccinations done. Maybe Punk Rock Bowling or Gainesville Fest is something I can do to go see Good Riddance. It's probably not the best idea, but I'm not known for always making the best decisions anyway. So good thing yeah. you don't even need to make decisions about what songs we're doing next week, because that's what the random number generator is for. Well, here's the thing, though, is that now we have to update the random number generator thanks to your little discovery. That yeah, we yeah. Should I, found digi- I found some digitized versions of the demo tape. So the number has changed. Uh, we're now... <laughs> Because, like, obviously I knew these songs were out there. I feel like I don't know how the dudes in the band would feel about us comparing, uh, you know, Hippie Girl to uh, Heresy, Hypocrisy, and Revenge. But it's going to happen now because uh, found digitized versions of the cassette. So we'll see how that goes. Honestly, and here's another thing. I had heard all the songs from both of the tapes before. But that was in, again, like the year 2000 when LimeWire was a thing. And mm-hmm. I and I had rigged something like I had rigged a tape deck from the computer that my entire apartment used because that was how it was in the year 2000 was that right. five of you shared a computer. Uh, and <laughs> I managed to tape from a computer to a tape 
And that's how I heard all these songs. So uh, the versions that are online now are of slightly better quality than how I know them. But it still definitely sounds like tapes from 1990. So anyhow, you got the random number generator ready to go. Yeah. So what am what, what am I adding to the the max number now? One eight eight. Here we go. One seven four or whatever. The first number that I drew was one hundred. Well, good news. Song number one hundred is "Torches and Tragedies" from My Republic. Ampersand <laughs> <laughs> uh, or no ampersand? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, this is an and. Uh, <laughs> what's the next number? Eighty-nine. I think we've done eighty-nine, though. Yes, we have done eighty-nine. Yeah, yeah. Thought so. One seventy-six. No, one seventy-six is gonna be one of the new ones. I'm not ready for that. <laughs> No, I think I think you are ready for it. Uh, okay. It's a song called "Thinking of Myself," and it is from the Loaded for Bear tape. Um, sixty six zero. Okay, number sixty. We're going back to Operation Phoenix, and it's the song "30 Day Wonder." A <laughs> real smorgasbord. Uh, Dan, if anyone wants to give us any feedback about anything we said this week or will say next week, how do they do that? We kindly ask that you um, slide into our Instagram DMs at Last Believer Pod, or if, if you want, if you want to write us an email, we love uh, we love all of your lovely fan mail. So lastbelieverpod at gmail dot com. Um, yeah, that's where you can go for any sort of questions, concerns, feedback, hate mail, love mail, whatever you want. Um, but if you're feeling generous and in a loving mood chop a little five-star review helps people find us um you don't have to like really think up of a bunch of stuff to write although i i'd like to see what you would write for a five-star review but you know even if you're just trying to boost us up there even just dropping the word what did i use earlier cheesesteak yeah che- this week's magic word is cheesesteak oh he looked at me when i said that um uh, <laughs> yeah so uh that that review um and the five stars will definitely just kind of help put this, the episode on people's radar or not the episode the show. Um, so the people might be able to find it and come across it. But ideally, if you know someone who would be into um, two bozos talking about old punk and good riddance and whatnot, refer it to a friend, get someone to listen to it, you know, share one of our Instagram stories um, or posts when we're posting about the record and say, hey, listen to these doofuses talk about what punk was like 25 years ago. Uh, that would be great. Uh, and if you're feeling generous, pop over to uh, patreon.com slash last lever pod. Um, we have uh, quite a few tiers going on with some different things, exclusive episodes, um, some stickers, you know, Josh is going to be keeping a list of all the songs we have and have not done or have not done. Sorry. Have not done on the, um, on there as well you can kind of keep tabs on there um you know as people kind of start coming on we'll uh, get the old discord server fired up and we can shoot the shit about uh, good riddance all week long we're not doing it to make money though just a quick reminder as i always like to tell all of you uh should we get to the point where we're at a surplus from recouping costs from doing the pod um we'll just reach out to the patrons and we'll figure out uh, the best place where we can donate some funds to thank you dan Thank you, listener, for listening. That is 
our episode on the songs Up and Away, Not So Bad, and This Beast is Dangerous. Next week, we're talking about Torches and Tragedies. We're talking about Thinking of Myself, and we're talking about 30 Day Wonder. Very tea-heavy show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, want to thank everyone in Good Riddance and everyone that is affiliated for continuing to be supportive of us doing it, which in the way of uh, just uh, no news is good news. So thanks for letting us, uh, giving us something to do during weird isolation pandemic times. Uh, thanks again to everyone. We'll talk again next week. I feel I feel like they're kind of on board with the project. We've had a couple of the members like some of our Instagram posts and stuff, so not to blow up their spot. So I think they're on board with us talking about it. But yeah, no news is good news. Yeah.